Welcome to Don't Say NFT, the show where we don't say NFT. I'm Donnie Clutterbuck, and I'll be your host. Welcome to Don't Say NFT, the show where we don't say NFT. I'm Donnie Clutterbuck, and we're not going to say NFT until I do. I'm usually the first person to do it. This episode's on identity. Uh, before we do that, I'd like to thank Crypto Sapiens for hosting us and putting us to podcast. I'd like to thank uh, who else are we thanking today? Banklist out for the support, of course, and our sponsor, Goshen Network, building a Bitcoin L2, which is something that we will end up talking about at some point throughout this. So anyway, man, I guess since we're already talking with you specifically, um, I had a lot of thoughts on this. I've been writing an article before each episode about the episode's content to really get my thoughts down on paper because. You know, sometimes we have to sort through things out loud when we have these ideas. And I've noticed that if I write a paper, like a 750 word article, and then I read it to my wife, um, while I'm reading it, I go, no, I don't really think that. Why did I write that? And I don't want to do that on the air. So I have a whole bunch of preconceived thoughts about this. And I think that our our lovely Web3 home, or whatever we call it, social media and PFPs and blockchain stored collectibles, has had a lot of identity issues in the last two years, and if not had identity issues of its own, um, exposed a lot of them that we have in like a rapid fire way that I don't think we often have a chance to, oh, I don't know, come to on our own. You know, we don't, we don't really, we're not forced to think about these things until we're forced to think about these things. We'll put them that way. So I would like to start with the concept of the article that I wrote being that when I grew up, I didn't know who I was. And I, I guess I still don't know who I am for the most part. I'm uh, I'm always, every day I'm learning more about myself and more about how I want to be perceived and how, about how I perceive myself. And in the 80s and 90s, growing up in upstate New York, I was, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, I don't remember any of this because I have memory issues, but I've seen a lot of pictures of myself wearing like spandex bicycle shorts. That was cool back then. Or... Uh, as I aged into, you know, the skater era, very, very big clothing. It was like comically big. I couldn't believe I could walk without falling over it, like a ball gown, that kind of big. And then I moved into... But Donnie, was it was it Jinko jeans? You know, I actually, I don't think I could afford Jinkos. I had friends who had Jinkos. <laughs> I think I had one pair right. of UFO. You remember those like um, nylon cargo pants that you could fold into a backpack? Oh, all, yeah. Like, the Ravers. Yeah, had, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It was cool back then. If I wasn't cool, <laughs> people might have thought it was cool. I think from any standpoint other than the person wearing them, it was probably not cool. Um, so I, I don't know. I went through a lot of phases where I was like trying to figure out. I used to wear brands. I used to try to find brands, even if they were not expensive brands, just something to align with. Because I think that it was more difficult to find something to align with when data moved a lot slower. And it didn't expose the problems we have with those things in quite the same way as we're experiencing now. So now I've relegated myself to, and I think this is indicative of why I can't use anything other than my face as a PFP for any length of time without starting to feel weird about it. I don't wear branded clothing. I don't like being beholden to other so someone else's potential failures. I would like to own my own only and not have to deal with someone else's. But at the same time, I lose the ability to gain strength from the persona of a larger group. And I think, especially in the last few months of this, we're starting to see through through the the purchase and sale of digital collectibles and what we thought that meant to us and other people, that a lot of it was really just about riding coattails. And people who fell off of those projects that started to decline in value as liquidity went down in the middle of, you know, a dark bear, uh, we're seeing who really aligns with 
the project and who really aligns with an ethos or ideology that that project puts forward. And um, as usual, I'd like to leave this to kind of an open discussion. And what I really like about the panel right now is that everyone is rocking a PFP of their favorite project or something they align with. And I have favorite projects and many things that I align with. And in fact, the tragedy of this is that I can't have 10 PFPs at the same time without sort of losing my identity and changing in every day. So I have a lot of thoughts about the way that we use this in modern life daily, but I'm just going to go. Uh... Yeah, let me let me jump in because I think I have a pretty, um, you know, atypical experience. And I think it actually aligns with this. But first, yeah, Donnie, thanks for hosting this. I think this topic, especially, in, you know, your whole podcast is uh, it's so timely and it's so important. You know, we need to have these discussions. I think let me just I guess on the topic of identity, I'll, I'll just say about myself. I'm neuro. Um, I'm a physician and in neurotech and that's where my name comes from. And that's, you know, a huge part of who I am, my identity. I've always been into science, technology, um, especially like as an entrepreneur, trying to figure out ways to build communities, do things differently, have done a bunch of crazy, dumb shit along the way, failed a lot of times. And I think that's kind of led me into crypto and, and blockchain, you know, really fully in like 2015 when I just got sick of all the failures and the the standard ways that the medical system operated. You know, my father was basically told to go home and, you know, he collect his affairs. He didn't have more than three weeks to live. Basically, the same was told to my brother. I had, you know, I dealt with a lot of issues through medical school and other stuff. I just didn't have good treatments. And um, I just got sick of it and started looking elsewhere and started saying, well, where are there people and um, communities who are trying to do things differently? And that kind of led me down into the the you know, at that time it was, um, you know, the blockchain and health space was mostly like supply chain and building patient communities around, you know, essentially it was like a continuity across like Reddit forums. Um, you know, there are a lot of other online communities and some of it kind of crept, you know, crept over into those who are into Bitcoin, Ethereum. Um, and I think, you know, fast forward to this year in, in 2023 in February, I went and, um, hung out with Casey and, in um, Oakland and and just fell in love with ordinals and kind of saw this opportunity to build communities and build projects and do things a little bit differently um, with what's possible on ordinals. And that, you know, I had always been involved in science and research and um, never had done a kind of an art project or, a, you know, an NFT of sorts. My wife is an artist and has a really amazing, successful, um, you know, business that she runs and I've been helping with that. But I'd mostly stayed on like the science side and I've always been creative. But Something about ordinals just hit totally different, you know, and, and we kind of started the cypherpunks project with that whole ethos that like, okay, we're kind of tired of the same old bullshit, man. Like we are just sick of, you know, being stuck in JPEG mode that everyone, you know, I think like our identities are being constrained by this medium that we have, which we're using a screen. We're looking at a 2D image for the most part, or maybe 3D. And we just thought we can do something different. You know, that's what really clicked with us for ordinals. And we said, you know, with Bitcoin, there's something here that matters, you know, um, and I just love being at the, you know, at that gathering with, with other folks like, you know, Babu Toshi had this great line that like, this is the daddy coin. This is the like the Bitcoin is a thing that's been around. It's going to be around and we can just try to do something new. It's like a fresh start. And so what we did with the Cypherpunks project was we thought, well, OK, people, a lot of people just honestly don't know that Bitcoin came out of this huge kick ass movement, the Cypherpunks movement with you know, Adam Back with Satoshi was a part of it, how Finney, these guys were, you know, involved in a very, very powerful, you know, community and mailing list um, that basically created the internet as we know it. And Bitcoin is is the next step, you know, out of that. And so we thought, all right, how can we 
use art to make something really, really cool that like speaks to people, you know, and, and we wanted it to do something different. So that's how we came up with this like cypherpunk ghost project where we made this art that honors all these cypherpunks, but like you click it and now it's a, you're in a terminal. It's like a completely different experience. You can go and view any other inscription on chain. Um, you know, we've got people in this like cypherpunk lab where we've taught people how to run nodes, like inscribe a manifesto. So I don't know, this all just spoke very close and true to my heart because that's the entire reason that we've been honestly putting our heart and soul into what we're doing since uh, February. And I think like when we talk about identity, I think, you know, so much of it, it's evolving, you know, and I think like the, I think the most powerful thing is giving people an opportunity to have their own say in their own identity. And so like, what are the types of tools that can enable people like you're saying, Donnie, that like, we don't want to be stuck with somebody else's vision, you know, like, can we, can we remix other people's ideas? Can we like do something with it ourselves? So, you know, we built this like meme generator. We're trying to, we're still experimenting with it, but like, could you take your favorite PFP? Um, and like we were playing around with Brock Toshi a little and the, the you know, Bitcoin rocks, like draw a smiley face on the rock or whatever. Like, can you do something with existing projects and just, you know, like remix it to make it your own and us all be a part of like, you know, really store our individual identity but be a part of a like broader collective community. Cause I think as a web three space, it doesn't matter if you're in Bitcoin, Ethereum, wherever else, if, if you're only chilling on Reddit, like it, there is still very, very small. You know, we forget like those who are connected and kind of understand these concepts is not, it's not everybody, you know, and there's a lot more that brings us together than divides us. And I think um, whatever we can all do to kind of support that and build our individual identities, but find ways to come together, I think is absolutely awesome. Dude, so, it's funny you say, there were a couple points you hit that I thought were really important there. One was the constraints of this 2D, 3D. I mean, it's a 2D landscape where we can put like potential three-dimensional abstract items on it. But those constraints also come with a total lack of geographic constraints and time frame constraints that never have existed before this, you know, the speed of the transfer of information facilitated by the internet. And this is like every day it gets stronger and faster. So like while we have new constraints, we have ditched all of the other constraints we've ever had in some way. Also, drawing uh, smiley faces on rocks and rock loops and yada yada. That I think that reinscription, and maybe this is not the episode for it, but reinscription is something that is going to allow people to participate in projects and leave a legacy on pieces of art or or digital whatever assets. Let's say, um, in a way that no one has seen yet. That's sort of like permanent and only accessible by the owner at the time and never destroyable by the future owners, which I'm really excited to see how people utilize that, uh, you know, for the better or worse, depending on what your viewpoint is. Uh, Min, fire away, man. So what was the, what was the question again? The question was like, how do you deal in digital identity right now? And what, I guess there is no specific question. What do you, what are the benefits and drawbacks of, using a pfp as a digital identity and i guess something much more specific to this crowd do you feel like you get to help define the project that you're now partaking in in a way that is maybe not something that's ever happened before where all the participants of an nft project get to like each have a hand in making it what it is rather than being beholden to something by buying mm -hmm. or wearing it so i think if i were to put it into words i would say that it's a double-edged sword or there's a duality in it, in the sense of it's an amplifier, right? So if the brand that you associate yourself with is doing really great things, then it amplifies everything that you're doing. Um, 
the, the opposite is true, right? And we, we've seen other uh, digital collectible brands make this mistake in the past and with it, their holdership suffer a lot. Um, I think it's all about uh, taking like your PFP and, and doing more with it than just being in the Web3 space. And, and that's kind of up to you. Um, it's like the first time that I've seen that we've seen decentralized um, like co-marketing exist in the space. At first, like when I first jumped into like Web3 and stuff, I thought that it was just like a big Ponzi scheme and that it was in, in at the end of the day, it was just 10,000 influencers that were quote unquote influencers trying to push a brand, right? Just like gaming creators create content around a certain game and then hopefully they piggyback off that game and then grow their following. But after almost two years, I would say that it is one of the first cases, as you say, that the brand builds with the community and the community helps build and shape the brand. Um, so I, I do think it's a duality. It's a double-edged sword. But there is one. There is many ways to make one side sharp and one side dull. No doubt. And I think, again, th- there is something to be said for like... Um, if we're to draw an analogy to wearing what was famous back in the day that is not now, Tommy Hilfiger, maybe no, Tommy's still a brand. Uh, I'm not trying to call out brands and say they failed or something, but I love Hilfiger did that like my childhood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's I'm trying to like roll it back to the nineties. Like, what am I laughing about that I did back then? Let's just maybe say uh polo? Oh, maybe. I guess maybe polo. I'm trying to think of a controversial brand that like did polo's classic forever did something Let's horrible just throw that out there dude. and yeah polo polo is like no <laughs> i guess we're looking at I, just so, so nobody gets that confused you know, listen, because <laughs> it's some weird polo in, in a minute bro you know I used that's to love true polo. i don't I, okay so much? i don't know. maybe there's something else we can learn from this i can't think of a brand that doesn't have a specific singular founder speaking for it that has failed in the last bunch of time that i'm like mad at about it so i was thinking to myself we assign ourselves or we, we gather behind an ethos and that ethos somehow over time changes sometimes. And then people that we are holding accountable for something end up screwing that thing up or doing something we wouldn't do and we no longer agree with. But I can't think of a company that did that because most of these companies that we've been wearing, like even Supreme, there's not like a guy that I know of anyway. Well, Donnie, yeah. I mean, Tommy Tommy Hilfiger was actually a pretty decent thing because if you were into Tommy like in the 90s and then there was like some controversial stuff where he said something like, oh, I don't want certain people wearing my clothes or associated Abercrombie, with I guess, is probably the best example. That's another one. Yeah. yeah there's, there's Where they really did that. that too yeah, well. right. So like in, in the case of wearing, I guess the point I'm trying to make is in the case of wearing Tommy or Abercrombie clothing, and again, not to dig on these brands, like I don't care if people wear them. I don't have any personal opinions on this. Uh, if you wear those brands in the brand goes down somehow you it's not recoverable they just they're accountable for their own thing and you're stuck with the clothes but in the case of the pfp there's like even in the case of youths there's 15,000 of them you have one fifteen thousandth of the voice of what defines that community in a way that i don't think we've ever had before um, uh, so that's an exciting reality at you know? the beginning at the beginning, at the beginning. yes yeah i mean it's a runaway train at some point it gets more powerful than any of its components you know one plus one equals three in that way, or no, but I mean like zero. like some like for example like you see like all these beautiful OMBs on stage. I would say that they have a bigger voice than one nineteen hundred. You know? Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I'm sorry, I was doing the math. It. My point is that when you buy a Tommy Hilfiger shirt, you have no say in how the company is perceived at all because you're not really a part of building it. 
Um, that's something that's really cool about internet PFP identities that we have a bit more input, I guess. It's more intimate, maybe. English, what do you, what do you say? Yeah, no, I mean, you, you broke down that, that question to two components, and I, I'd like to tackle like the first one of it um, more from an individual level. It's interesting that, so there was a couple of, of spaces earlier today that, that kind of primed me for this, this thought here that, you know, there was one, there was an earlier spaces earlier this morning, and somebody had mentioned in Web3, does utility even matter? Is, it, is that even a thing? Is, are we all just left with communities? And someone rebutted basically saying, well, that doesn't even make sense because everything's so accessible on the internet. It doesn't matter to have communities because you could talk to anybody you want. And, and I didn't find that true at, 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 at face value. And somebody kind of countered a little bit was saying, yeah, well, I have this D-Gods PFP and I'm just bombarded with so many people that if you have a human PFP, I'm probably not going to even talk to you because I'm, I'm being solicited all this other stuff or approached with all this other kind of things. So there's like this downside, right? Like I think if you have, if you're in Web3 specifically, it's kind of a luxury to have, you know, a human or a non kind of thing because you're already kind of like outcast a little bit unless people are well known. I, I think you kind of one of those people that are pretty well known in ordinals and probably other spaces. So that's kind of this luxury. So like you're excluded automatically if you have a human PFP. And then it's like if, if you've never even liked any of my posts and you don't, you're not even part of my network because I kind of give like a bypass. So if you have a D-Gods, maybe if you hit me up, I'll just look at it again. I'll give it an extra thought. And, and it makes me think that like, for instance, in you go through your, your normal life, you have like the small circle of kind of influence um, in the real world, you probably, whether you're in school or, or work, you have the same routines, you have the same person. So whatever someone thinks of your identi identity initially, you can kind of shape that a little bit. Yeah, first impressions make a, a big part of it, but you can people get to know you. But there's just so much access that it's so important to have that first kind of um, there. So when people see something, they're, they're going to make a value judgment. I know when I first got into ordinals, I had a Utes and I had an orange PFP and you know, even chatting with probably like NFT boy who's here and Min and, and networking. Um, I, I think he had something like the gods related. It probably kind of was like a, a lubricant. It's like, oh, I heard this guy English. He's in all the projects that I'm in. Oh, he has the same PFP. So it just makes that conversation easier because you kind of feel like there has to be some kind of similarities. Um, so that's the upside to it. And I think that's kind of what you were alluding to, that you kind of um, miss out on some of the strengths, even though you avoid some of the weaknesses. Um, so I, I'd say that's a big value proposition. You know, having this kind of wizards things, you know, I work with a well, Web2 company, gaming company, and first getting into Web3, it's on Ethereum. I use this PFP, I get comments all the time, but if I have any ordinals people who come into the project, I'm the only one that has an ordinals one. And they're like, oh, English is here from ordinals. And it kind of just shows like this weird diversity. And it's like, you're just more keen to talk to them. So I think there's a lot of value that you could have. Um, and it's probably important to probably be true to yourself and at the same time be intentional on what you you pick out and what you decide to pick up. I was particularly a fan of of you, Donnie, when you had kind of like that in-between NFT, <laughs> and I said the word, PFP and, and the human PFP, uh, just where it's kind of like this. And I, I've considered that in the past, right, where you take an image of yourself, run it through an AI generator. Um, it has a kind of like an animation kind of component to it. People in Web3 don't get put off if they don't know you. And it could be things, but but even that I think is a luxury. I think in this Web3 world, I think there's just a lot more pros to having um, something that you're not necessarily married to, but something that you are wearing with 
you know, intentions, whether that's, you know, maladies because, you know, you feel a certain kind of way. And you covered a lot of the topics on, on your paper that you sent. And I'm sure you'll talk a little bit more on the philosophical components. Um, and it's some of the same similar thoughts I had. But um, that was a couple of, 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 of just kind of what came to mind, you know, at first. Um, another space is somebody was talking about, you know, like Subdux wasn't really, you know, anything. But I met this other guy that um, through their holders channel that we related and we ended up doing all these businesses together. So like there's just tons of value from these like small kind of channels where you would talk and it's just this brief moment that you make this value judgment because you are bombarded on the internet with so much information. So that's just kind of where that led to in terms of value and, and having, you know, these, these images that we've chose to buy and, you know, support on crypto, the old crypto X or whatever. Utility question. The old utility question. Where is the utility in these digital assets? <laughs> well, the utility. It's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> there, I mean, <laughs> over the course of time, we're going to see blockchain used for uh, storage of deeds to homes and titles to cars and driver's licenses. And those will provide utility and membership passes to clubs and stuff. And those will all be NFTs. <laughs> Second one to say it. I did it. Those will all be NFTs or artifacts somehow, I think, in the future. So there will be utility. But I think in these first days that we were focusing too much on adding utility, when in fact the utility inherent to a PFP is the clout or um, social identification behind it, because even in the case of bad press, it's good press. Have, having anyone say anything about you is better than having no one say anything about you in a lot of ways. In some ways, that's not the case for me, especially. I would rather never be looked at or talked to than be spoken negatively about. I don't, I don't like the idea of that. But I understand when you're trying to fight for attention or fight, not necessarily attention, fight for the ability to partake in something that it's important to have sort of like a loud, a strength behind you, even if you don't feel strong that day, right? And there's a lot to be said for the equity involved in being, uh, let's say, privileged enough to just be you somewhere. Um, that's something I think the internet has greatly helped us get over. If you are short, tall, skinny, fat, uh, white, black, Asian, male, female, doesn't matter, non-binary, none of that matters when you have a PFP and you can be shown the way you want to be seen, regardless of the, the myriad ways people can judge you for who you are. Thanks. Thanks for that input. In terms of what English was saying, basically, it like appeared to me more clearly that uh, in terms of identity and in terms of PFP, so on, if we compare them, let's say, to the uh, brands in real life, I think it, PFP has to be much more well thought, much more uh, associated with our values, with the projects that we develop, uh, with the ideas that we support. It, it's like I, I'm just looking at everybody who is either speaking or either is listening, and I can name many people who are like, for example, uh, Joe, owner of the project, English, who is supporting uh, Wizards, or, for example, Leo, who is listening. And I know that his PFPs combined from few projects that he really likes. And also a lot of people that has the OMP PFPs, and which, in terms of ZK, we know uh, very clearly what values he has and that we support him and that we are like associate with this. Um, so this appeared much more clear to me that those changes that we, that we make are more, much more aware, to be honest. When I was changing my PFP to the uh, Note Monkey, it was uh, first I was like re really pumped that, um, that the team sent this to me, but 
mm, now I'm just sticking with this because it's uh, it's not only one on one. It's like this is the project I really like in terms of the general idea and the general approach to uh, to the Web3 and what they what they want to establish. To be honest, but. It's something much more. I know Min that he has his PFP for months and months and months and so on, and yes. there is no change yes. in this. Yes. Of course, exactly. Um, uh, like not not really looking in the market conditions and so on. We saw that a lot of people were changing PFPs um, to the OMB when the Mint uh went on and uh it was one of the few changes that happened in the past years so it's uh it's much more to be honest and i was thinking about okay when we have some kind of drama let's say in the uh in the web free in the twitter and okay we're gonna have to change the pfp we are going to have the change the a Twitter tag, but still we are going to be connected if we even if we are blocked or someone is going to be easier trackable to be honest and um, it stick with us and it's very aware uh, decision to be honest and I wanted to start with this because uh, Donny I think uh, the only one here has the human PFP human Donny on the PFP and this is also in a way, um, not all, not only peculiar, but also significant in a way, because um, not so much, not many people actually post like dogs themselves. So you have to be comfortable with this. You have to be sure that this is the way you want to be represented in the web free when the majority is uh, the animal or human related PFP. So this is also like a banger and like big up from me because um, yeah, this this is seen, this is seen. And I'm sure that when you change the picture, okay, it's well made, but everybody will remember you. You say comfortable with doxing and other people would say stupid. Yes. Because I think that I'm more willing to send my driver's license and biometric data to people and companies than maybe I should be. So I've had a lot of conversations with people I used to work in the reputation space with or the decentralized identity space with who I would argue like, why don't we just collect everybody's biometric data and then let them back into their wallets uh, when they lose them? When in reality, it's not that simple and it can be sort of, uh, you know, that stuff has to be stored somewhere and there are always little bits of, I guess I'm getting a little off track here. But you're right. There is something confident about that, but confidence looks like stupidity a lot sometimes too. And I wanted to go to OG Dad, then Neuroswag, True and Min in that order. So fire away, OG Dad. Like, one thing I find funny is, for instance, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. And if someone was to send me a friend request on Facebook and Instagram and they had a picture of a cartoon character, I would like instantly be suspicious. Whereas in this space, it's kind of all the way around. Like if someone joins my Discord and they do not have a picture of an, you know, of a, an NFT or an ordinal and they have a picture of themselves or who, who might be themselves, I'm instantly suspicious. And I just, I just find it, like, oh, you're right. I find that you're kind right. of funny. And then I also kind of wonder, like, if people, if people, well, the one thing with PFPs is I love them, but I also wonder if people respect your PFP more than who you might, you know, more than the person behind them. Like, I wonder if anybody's ever gone from having a D God, for instance, to like having the picture of themselves. And then if they find that, you know, their engagement goes down or people 
aren't interested in them or if they do not get as many followers anymore. Me, I did that. Like, I wonder I how... I did that. I had a D-God yeah, like, I wonder six how... months or so. And the reason that I got rid of it was because I would enter spaces. And, like, this was during peak uh, D-God FUD. You know, well, maybe not peak. peak. That has changed over the course of time. Back when uh, maybe it was, like, a year ago or something like that, when everybody was, like, mad that Dust was a security or something like that. I forget. I was walking around BJ's shopping for food. And I remember joining a space... And they were like, oh, there's some dickhead with a D-God PFP. Just bring him up. Let's see if he's got a lot to say about something dumb. And I was like, man, what a weird way to welcome someone to a space. Like you just, it was like they they publicly wanted to execute me before they had heard me speak at all, you know? So I'm not like, I wasn't, I didn't jump off of having a D-God PFP because of that. But it made me think really deeply about what it was I was being perceived as before I was being perceived as anything. Um, and I think this is a really interesting, I will make this very short because I want to jump around a little bit, but there's something to be said for you dress one way when you go to work, you dress another way when you go to coffee, you dress another way on the couch when you're cooking, and when you go to your parents' house for dinner, right? These are all separate identities and you speak differently, you walk differently, you have different sets of manners. We don't do that here. We kind of just stick with one and then we behave as this thing all the time. And then we just don't show up before we don't, we don't want to be that thing. I think it'll be interesting to see if we, I mean, a lot of people have alt accounts, obviously, but that requires a lot more maintenance than just being yourself and sort of like switching through different identities in your head. Uh, so I wanted to bring up that we kind of do this PFP shuffle in real life all the time as it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's funny because I feel like even though I love PFPs, obviously because I rock one myself, some of the people I feel like I know that I know the best are the people that don't have a PFP. The people I speak to have a because you can kind of just you can look you can look at a person and you can kind of. It just gives you a better idea about them. I I think you know. Obviously, we're not we don't we don't judge people on the looks solely. But I just feel like if you can see, if you get a, a better idea about the person from you know, if you can see the face, you can kind of put a better picture of that person together in your head. If if that makes we'll sense. We'll be talking a lot about this um, during the meme episode, actually, which is going to be episode number seven, and that'll be Monday, September fourteenth at two p.m. Eastern. And the point of having this conversation over the meme convo is that the backdrop for any message sways the message, unless it's like. Helvetica font was made specifically not to sway a message. So you can write, do not enter in Helvetica. And it's, it's not yelling at you. And it's not saying, it's not like Comic Sans. It's not like, oh, please do not enter. You know, it doesn't sound like a cartoon character <laughs> saying it. It says like, it's, it's like no one's saying it. It just enters your brain directly. And I feel like a neutral PFP or no PFP can sort of have that effect in a way. I want to go to Neuro next, if that is okay with everyone. Donnie, can I could quickly just yeah. respond to OG Dad? Because he has a question. Oh, yeah, sure. Sorry. Sorry, Nero. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no. So, well, first of all, I'd like to say Helvetica is probably one of my favorite documentaries about Helvetica. Um, so, if you haven't seen that, you probably should watch it. It's fantastic. Um, it has like one of the best like excerpts from it. Michael Byrut, who, who worked at Paradigm. I'm kind of like a design geek, or I used to be it in, in a former life. But um, so, yeah, you should watch it. It's a, it's a great one. Maybe we'll bring it up in the meme thing. But OG Dad, you had referenced like, do you lose followers and everything? I, I think it has to do with like your your where you are on like this twitter because we're we're basically talking twitter right so where you are in your personal journey of twitter you know because if you're just like a small account and i think some of the most interesting people are small accounts so it, it, in fact there might be even like <laughs> an inverse relationship of how many followers you have and how interesting you are but if you're if you're not really well known you probably in 
this Web3 thing, you probably will lose it and you will lose traction. But I think it's the inverse. Once you're like a well-known person, so if you're like a Thread guy or Farouk or Zeneca or any of these type of things, I, I don't think it matters. And I think it actually strengthens your own personal brand. Like if people are already coming to you to look for your content, your thoughts, whether they're on spaces, whether they're, it's a thread you write, whether it's entertainment, you know, post, shit posting, whatever, if people are actively seeking out your stuff, I think you do better with your own PFP and your own branding. But you have to kind of, if you if you don't have that, I think to cut through again, and it's harking back to the point that I had before, to cut through the noise, your PFP helps break down some of that extra noise. Um, and I think it helps cutting through having um, a community that will automatically might pay attention to you and people who maybe you're not part of that same community but are adjacent to or respect that community will, hey, listen, um, this guy has a huge PFP or, or whatever, an OMB, and, and I kind of vibe with their ideals. Let me take them a little bit more seriously. So I do think you would initially do it, but I think um, if, you've, you've, you, if you've achieved like this escape velocity um, on Twitter, I, I think you'd probably do better with PFP. So I just wanted to chime in there before we moved on to the next. Dead topic. on. Can't even expound on that. That was well said. Nero, fire away. Cool. Yeah, there are just so many awesome topics here and it's yeah, great. All right. Yeah. These are three points that I think have been brought up. Um, and I'm just trying to put some, I know labels around them or just as like topics um, and things maybe I'll respond to. And, you know, uh, we need to have a further kind of like ongoing conversation somehow, which I guess we'll figure out, maybe just keep it rolling on Twitter. But one point that I, you know, to start is like this idea of, you know, what's true today um, in terms of the landscape and like English has articulated a lot of it extremely well and Donning you as well. Um, I think everyone here has. And, and also in terms of like what can be built for tomorrow, you know, and I think um, the thing that's so interesting about PFPs in general or having our identity um, in this kind of more public sense where we all have buy in, like we're talking about with, you know, Abercrombie or whatever, it was like, you know, yeah, I mean, what involvement exactly did any of us have besides just wearing those clothes and like being a billboard, basically, like, it's just interesting, because we've we've kind of experimented as communities with like DAOs with all sorts of stuff. And now it's like, you know, there's all sorts of failures with governance. And like, to men's point, um, my reaction was the same exactly that like, you know, with Twitter, you can like amplify your voice as a holder, like one person can speak louder than, you know, for sure any shareholder. Um, but like, how, how do we like effectively channel that into like building something um, as a next evolution, you know, in terms of communities? And I think like every community is experimenting with that and that's super interesting. But I think one area that, you know, is always like kind of funny is like around values themselves. You know, it's like Steve Jobs kind of articulated that like the whole purpose of marketing is to like, express your values, you know, and the like Apple's iconic ads with like the crazy ones, they like tell you what like a certain vision is about, but it's like, you also have people who talk values and that's like the biggest thing that tells you they're like a scammer, you know, <laughs> like anyone who says like, Oh, I'm so honest. It's like, you kind of raise a red, red flag. It's like calling yourself so handsome. I, I guess I'm really... it requires third party verification. <laughs> yeah. It's not the kind of thing you can say about yourself. <laughs> exactly. But it's like, in terms of you know, there is the landscape that exists today and there's a lot of awesome stuff we should preserve. But I'm really curious about like, you know, what what we can build tomorrow and like we have all these new tools, you know, like I mean we kind of forget that the NFTs have not been around very long, you know? Like, I mean, this whole space is so young, you know, and there's so much evolution. And so I guess I'm very curious about like how that can happen. I think, you know, this like friend tech 
blowing up and getting some interest is, is actually like, it's pretty awesome. Like I'm on there, like making memes for people. I'm like going to be sending my holders, you know, ordinals, I guess that's the alpha drop of um, some, you know, just some awesome stuff we're doing on there. And it's like, okay, that's on base. That's Coinbase. Everyone's calling that like the fed chain, but like, I don't know. I, it, it doesn't, I don't think it has to be hostile. So I guess that point about like us continuing to find interesting ways to build the future is something that I'm just very curious to hear other people's opinions about. I think the related point that I had written down was like, this financialization of identity is so different, you know, in, in the Web3 space where like we have price, like to gods. I mean, this is just honestly one thing I, I just kind of hate is like there's a there are a lot of failures with the way privatization and in you know private investments, how they happen. There's a lot of stuff that's crappy. People are not involved, you know, VC, blah, blah, blah. But the flip side of it is if you have everybody speculating on every single thing a builder is trying to do and experiment on and, and do publicly and you just absolutely crucify them if it's not exactly what you want. It's a very interesting dynamic. You know, it's like, it, it's just like, you know, Degas and Frank, they release this thing, they get some feedback on it, they release something else. And it's like, well, you know, it's, it's like the, if you ask everybody what they wanted back when they were riding horses, they would have said like a different horse. They would have never said a car, you know? So how do you like as a community and as a builder build stuff in like what's always going to be just the innovation cycle, the first step, people are going to hate it. You know, people are going to think it's gross. It's ugly. Like, I mean, even when we were building stuff with the terminal, people were like, what's wrong with you? Like the art's cool. Just go sell it. What are you missing your opportunity? And we were just like, no, we want to try something different. So this financialization of identity of PFPs is something that I think is, is a, you know, it's just an interesting aspect of the space. And I don't know what the right way to break through that is, but I do think that like we all kind of have to understand that there is more to all of this than money. Like we have to have some belief that there are like values and things that matter outside of just your price going up and down. And, and I think there's a lot of, you know, I don't know, there's just a lot of lip service paid to that. I think um, the last point I'll just end on here was this idea about the pseudonymous anonymous piece. I think it's just so critical. It's like, um, you, it's like, you know, as the cypherpunk value around privacy is the ability to like, to selectively reveal oneself, you know, this is like a core tenant of a free society that we can like selectively reveal who we are or reveal what we want to with whom we want to. And I think like, there's just so much power in having the ability to be pseudonymous or being anonymous. Um, you know, especially like my interest is very much in like the mental health realm and there's so much stigma around anything related to mood disorders, bipolar, ADHD, all this stuff. And so much of the world's major, you know, geniuses, like pretty much all of us have something, you know, like it, it took me basically until like very far along in my life to kind of come to terms with my own, just <laughs> like reality that I live in and like find ways to make everything work for me. Um, but it's like being pseudonymous, being anonymous is like a, is a big superpower, you know, if, if for some people to try to avoid from the stigmas around like, you know, whatever might be associated with what they're dealing with in their lives. And I think that's a really, really powerful thing. So um, maybe I'll write those three things down and send them to you, Donnie. I don't know if you want to keep those as talking yeah, points, dude. but I, I thought mean, those we can were also, I can pop things. a space up later tonight just as a secondary thing. Um, you bring up something about the attention, attention economy where people get paid for, basically they monetize their identity or what their perceived identity is. And I think this is a really, this is a big note because this sort of is indicative of the decentralization of choice where like if you can monetize who you are by taking advantage of getting people to look at you people are choosing to vote with i mean this is how we vote inevitably right we vote with ballots right but that controls one thing and then that other thing we voted for controls everything else around us or at least has say in it somehow 
In this manner, we get to provide a vote directly to whatever it is we like, but providing attention to it, and in some cases, money. And if that's not decentralization, I don't know what is. Maybe it's easily exploitable, but I mean, what is it, right? Uh, next up, Swag, then True, then Min. Swag, hit it. Uh, I love this conversation. I wanted to kind of bring it back to what, where we kind of originally started talking about, you know, from that brand perspective. Uh, you know, I'm, I personally, I like to express myself through my clothes. I've been, you know, kind of obsessed with the streetwear sneaker culture for as long as I can remember. You know, part part of that comes along with the community. Like you're, for example, like you're you going out, stepping out in a pair of, pair of shoes that you love. Like you're going to get other sneakerheads that that see that, and you know whether they give you the nod or, you know, you're you're part of this underlying community that you're 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 separate from most of the time, right? Like you're you're going and hunting shoes or hunting pieces online, but your ultimate goal is to wear that out, and you know, other people that are fans of the same thing you're able to connect with them on, on somewhat of a deeper level. And I see that all tying back to like how we present ourselves and our identity online. Um, and, you know, part of the reason why I am a, a swag, a Pepe is that I, I couldn't really find anything that I ultimately wanted to identify myself as when I, when I joined the ordinals community in February and this, like what I'm rocking right now is literally a, <laughs> this is my favorite jacket. It's a Denim Tears uh, Levi's collaboration. Uh, I had rocked it like the weekend before I took my girlfriend out to this, her favorite restaurant in the city. So it like had a, you know, that this specific outlet, outfit I, the next day inscribed onto the blockchain. And it's it's become something bigger than I ever thought it would. But it all started with me wanting to, present myself online with something that like I really resonate with and that I ultimately kind of thought back to like that whole, you know, kind of streetwear mentality is like, I think people would be able to recognize this jacket and those that did are the ones that I would want to notice it. You know what I'm saying? Like the ones that know, know, and those are the ones that I want to connect with. Um, and ultimately that's like seeing these small collections pop up. I, I felt as if that like, it, it gave me the courage to be like, I, I want to kind of carve my own thing and create a community of people that have, you know, the same interests and the same values that I have. Um, and that's kind of where it all started was me trying to figure out how do I want to identify myself here uh, and not really being able to find that elsewhere. So I created it myself. You know, what's funny about this is by nature of us all having PFPs and being here, we are all part of the same group in this strange way. Well, it's like it's like not the subgroups. We all become the same, you know, three mile deep whole participants of this uh, burgeoning ecosystem. It's a really exciting thought. So like, is that the same jacket you were wearing at NFT NYC? Yes, that's correct. Dude, I remember it. I didn't put that together until you just said it right now. Good to see the jacket again. Min, finally, you're back. Hi. Hey, all these conversations, and it actually made me think like how – how I thought about digital identity and PFPs when I first entered this space. Like when I saw someone like Zeneca or Thread or um, anybody else who's, who's, who was a beast in the space at the time that I entered, right? And they're still beasts now. I don't think I was like, oh, they have a board ape which equals this amount of money. And I think that is the goal of any quote unquote digital identity to, to grab or assimilate yourself to something that a brand is doing and then fully make it yourself. 
and, and make it your own, right? Like if a Zuki goes to $0 or a million dollars, I think that my content still stays the same. And maybe in Web3, the perception might be less or something like that if it's like a digital flex. But I think as you continue to grow your brand more and more within the space, um, what you wear, quote unquote, is only like your clothes and who you are as a person internally and, and what you represent shines through a lot more. But I think that comes through with time and just quality of content and consistency. You know, I see, I was looking through the whole OMB Green Eyes collection earlier today because I really, every time I see a new one, I'm like, how did I still not see that? It doesn't feel like there are that many because there's only 2,100, even though it's a pretty unfathomably large number, I guess, of individual pieces. Um, and as I was scrolling through it, I saw my friends now where when the first the collection first came out i just saw a bunch of art that had no personality associated with it but then i like as i was scrolling through this i was like oh there's this guy and there's this guy and i know how this guy acts and like the the cartoon picture has begun to take on in my mind anyway an association of how that person responds in any given situations I've seen them in. Also, man, I think there's a lot to be said for when you hold something up and then hold something down, you get the clout of the big money in the beginning and you hold it at the bottom and everyone goes, yeesh, oh, sorry, man. And then like two years later, you're just the guy who didn't keep on changing what who he was and who he was thinking based on what was popular. So there's an element of long-term reputation that can be stronger than the up and the down you know, like the like the long term. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like it's like it's like it's like kimchi. Like you're married. Yeah, yeah. It gets better. At the beginning, it it's just like a cabbage, yeah, yeah. right? But then it ferments, and then you eat it. And you're like, I don't care where this kimchi came from, but it's. But bomb. yeah, because it took too like long that. to make, and there's no way to make it except for time. Where I don't get that benefit of holding up and down because nobody wants my profile picture. Thereby, no one cannot want my profile fi- profile picture. You know. I want your profile picture. I'll copy it and send it to you. Even though I, I feel like it's like looking at me right now. It kind of is. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't know, Donnie. I think like you've been a, a part of like many awesome collections. And now when I think of like human PFPs, I think of you. So I think you and yourself have made yourself a digital identity of your physical self, of your digital self inside of your physical being. I couldn't even change it. Which is online. Now at this point, after developing this human PFP reputation, it might look like I'm running away from myself to change it into something else, right? Even if I feel like it's an alignment. But isn't that that the whole loop of like always being yourself, chasing yourself, who is, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's- I will say Donnie was the easiest to recognize at NFT NYC. Yeah, I remember everybody sitting down at that table and introducing <laughs> themselves, and everybody was like, uh, "So you're Donnie? <laughs> did he have sun, did he have sunglasses on or regular? It's Donnie. No, he it was nighttime. Like it was nighttime. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have shades on. So you wearing sunglasses? No, but I I want to sometimes. Now that room was dark as heck though, and the back of um, Pub Key was like very very ill lit, except for the lit up pictures on the wall of all the expensive NFT or uh, sorry digital artifacts <laughs> that at the time I had no chance of buying. Uh, I want to go up to NFT boy next. Welcome. Yo, yo, thanks for having me. I think, you know, on the on the point that you just made, Donnie, about maybe becoming iconic for a specific PFP and and even if the price or popularity of it changes, you um, kind of sticking with something over time can be kind of seen as either a proof point or something kind of beyond just the you know initial clout of like an asset's uh, price. I, I think there's some interesting thoughts here. I think you know, first of all, I think part of human nature is just, you know, seeing things that are priced higher as cooler. Like it's just something innate about, you know, a JPEG just looks doper when it's, you know, more expensive than when it's not. 
Um, and, and we can tell ourselves that, that that's not true as much as we want, but um, I think that there's just something so human about, about doing that. And it's something that, that I've kind of experienced uh, personally, I think, you know, and this obviously ties also into the fact that not only is all of this stuff our identity, but it is also like oftentimes large investments. Um, as someone who like built an identity around a doodle that I bought at um, like two ETH, I want to say maybe below two ETH and held to, you know, 25 ETH when ETH was 3K and then all the way back down. Um, there is something quite dangerous about like becoming too attached to PFP or to really any financial asset. Um, and so kind of balancing the two things is, is quite an interesting um, kind of uh, balancing act. Like obviously we all have emotional attachments to trading in general, to, to assets. Again, it's a, it's a superhuman kind of reaction to things going up or things going down, especially when there's as much like dopamine and, you know, other shit involved um, as there is for, for, you know, kind of the NFT Web3 trading world. But then when you also kind of add pictures that you can identify with on top of the financial asset, you know, it's, it's essentially, um, I think, built for, for kind of a, a bad outcome if you buy an NFT for, for a lot of money or if you hold something that's um, kind of worth a lot. And I would say having a PFP that's like your face, you know, de-risks that obviously because it doesn't require you to hold an NFT or to, um, you know, have that kind of liability. Um, I think at the same time, the, the other solution and maybe the solution that I've definitely decided to go with is just, I've just decided that I'm okay with switching my PFP as much as I want. Um, and yeah, I might kind of lose recognition or it, may, it might not be as easy for people to recognize you know, my tweets as uh, some other people, but I think, you know, identity is overall fluid and the identity slash ethos of a project is also fluid, right? Like when I um, started rocking the doodle, it was because I, you know, uh, wanted to, um, you know, uh, uh, portray what I found as doodles community values, which was like fun, welcoming, like cool, you know, cute art, burnt toast, all of that kind of stuff. And then that kind of eroded into now, I would say it stands for, at least within Web3, like corporate greed, <laughs> not giving a fuck about your holders, um, you know, essentially like turning your holders into consumers and things that I just don't, you know, stand by anymore. Um, so for me, not like forcing yourself to hold a PFP just because at one point you aligned with the values of some project and, you know, built your brand around it, I think is just overly constrained. Um, but at the same time, group identity is a super powerful concept, right? I mean, it's the reason that we all, you know, are such big fans of sports teams and, you know, do a lot of the things we do, buy the things we buy. It's all just attention economy voting for group identity politics, right? So um, I think that especially in a world where we are pseudonymous and we are, you know, instead of given tons of micro choices to construct an identity as we are, in, you know, IRL, which is, you know, your uh, you know, choice of music, your choice of what you're wearing, your choice of what you're eating, the choice of how you talk, all of these things obviously kind of portray things about yourself. Um, to the extent which they're controllable and uh, intentional, um, obviously varies. But online, you pretty much have like three things. You have your PFP, you have like your name, and you have your kind of content or voice or how you talk in spaces. Um, but when people are first kind of reading your, let's say, uh, uh, Twitter profile or whatever, and trying to decide who you are, your PFP and name is like, you know, 95% of it in your bio as well, right? So there is um, something important around, I think, um, ethos signaling kind of what you, what you stand for, what you want to stand for. Um, and then there's also kind of an interesting, I would say like dialectic between 
communities um, and what a project stands for. So like, you know, for example, a lot of projects don't stand for what like the founders intended them to stand for. Obviously, founders can kind of control the messaging and targeting of who they want to buy their thing. Um, but over time, if it becomes known for something else, and then other people select into it for that reason, like let's say um, Sappy Seals being like the meme slash like engagement farming community, people that want to like, you know, reflect that ethos go and buy those. And that's kind of like a runaway identity that the community, uh, like a sub community has selected into. Um, and so I think there's a lot of kind of things that you can kind of tell about yourself or stories you can tell about yourself based on these, uh, you know, PFPs. Um, and, and I just think that those are fluid, kind of like what you said, Donnie, around wearing different clothes to different um, events or in different kind of settings. The way I see it is I, I'll just change my PFP if I am like feeling a different identity. <laughs> and I think that, you know, as we kind of move into more of like a metaverse future, hopefully we'll be able to switch between those PFPs and rock like 10, like you were saying. It's a good space to get these thoughts out because we don't always get to have like um, pointed, intelligent, thoughtful conversations in these things. They end up being like, you know, gossip channels sort of. So I'm, I'm glad that anybody even wants to talk about this stuff. So thank you for that. I've been thinking a lot about this. I have tattoos almost head to toe from collarbone down to my ankles. I'm pretty much totally covered. And people always ask me if I would get a tattoo on my face or my neck or something or the top of my head, which would be pretty funny, but I can't grow hair there. So it's kind of a permanent thing. Um, I think that face tattoos are the equivalent of a permanent PFP. It, it forever changes the first thing everybody says or everybody sees about you. And whatever that thing is, it now colors every single thing you do for the rest of your life. <clears throat> and I've always thought that that was kind of uh, a difficult concept to get over. And if you think about it, like we change our clothes every day and we operate differently in different situations, but our face is usually the same, right? But we cut our hair and that frames our face differently. Sometimes, you know, people can grow mustaches or beards and change their PFPs, as it were. I don't think you changing your PFP sort of regularly is really that confusing because you have a pretty easy to recognize name. And what is it going to take, like two tweets until someone's like, your new PFP is just what your face looks like? I think our software is already very good at handling changes like that. So I really don't think there's any downfall to swapping out pretty frequently, especially if that's just what you do. Next up was Joe. Fire away, Joe. Hey, guys. Nice for having me here, Donnie. So for for me personally, I wear the Rabbit PFP because I start in Ordinals uh, with the project I was invited to join. That was the Rabbit. Uh, I had uh, two co-founders co in the beginning and one artist. So I think I start as a rabbit, I will end as a rabbit if, if there is any end in the original sex system as a whole. Um, I think this is one big university where we are all like rabbits in the beginning. Like we start um, from nowhere, we built our brand from zero. Um, I have this problem with being emotionally attached to, to PFPs and JPEGs as a whole. So... Maybe that's the reason I didn't sell the top and that's the reason I don't want to change my PFP because I'm attached to what I'm building. Like in the beginning, we were just um, 30, 32 um, rabbits in the collection. Most of them are founders or projects. Like I'm in real life. I'm a trader in a crypto company in the poorest country of uh, Europe. I mean, I'm from Bulgaria. Like the average salary here is uh, $750, like uh, like $750 per month. So crypto changed my life back in the days. Like I have shared my story a couple of times on Spaces. Uh, 
since then I, I just do things I love. I travel the world, I talk with people who I like, I do things that I love to do and stand for my beliefs. Um, back in the days, I was working many jobs like uh, bartender, I was working at a casino, I was uh, even cleaning some shit like at the bottom of the of the society, you know. So Those are my favorite jobs, was, by the way. I love I love the jobs. I, like my my goal is to retire as a museum janitor. Was I just I just want to go look at a spot, <laughs> mop it, and find another spot, mop it. It's like you you assess a problem, you find a solution. You assess a problem, you find a solution. Actually, all the people here as speakers uh, had really good takes. So. I just have I, I just can't talk a bit for myself and uh, the things I believe and my identity because all of you already said what should be said on that topic and I just can't agree with you and I rarely agree with everyone but on these spaces here like everybody taught the truth which I I see the same way like we're just group of people who believes in different things. Uh, who interacts in the their way with others. They have their own brand. Uh, doesn't matter if you are wearing a project you believe in as a PFP or you have your own project. Like Swaktoshi said, I'm just myself illustrated as a Swag Pepe. So yeah, th that's the magic thing here. Like we're just people in the same ecosystem who want to do different different things and we have to have friends or we don't have to have friends. I mean, everybody up to him to choose what he's going to Dude, do. In I actually space. think it's really important that we hang out with people who are not our friends regularly. I think that's the definition of diversity. So let's say we're all at the bottom of this web three, three mile deep hole. We're all trying to do something kind of similar. If we didn't all have different PFPs, different alignments, and even different political views and other more sensitive subjects that we'd like vastly differed on, we wouldn't be getting a diverse array of top or a diverse array of input. And the more input we get, the better output, right? That's just the way it is. Uh, ZSY, fire away. Yo, what is popping? Can you hear me, right? Sure can, brother. I see some hearts, so yeah, perfect, perfect. I can't remember why I put my hand up, but I just, I just had to, uh, to throw my vocal cords out there, really. But it was, uh, there was one thing that I wrote down. <laughs> it's, it's really minor, but it was when I first started uh, BTC Anons, right? And I had the, um, the. BTC D Gods uh, PFP on like the main Discord part, and then in the server I just had one one of the anons as the uh, as the profile picture, and like people would be talking and stuff, and then when they come to DM me, they're like, "Oh shit, you're a fucking BTC D God! Oh my god!" I'm like, "Bruv, it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> I'm no fucking different like to the person you were chatting to inside the server earlier. It, it makes no difference. But I guess that's like the perception. People wear these things to." I don't even want to say boost their ego, but I guess they identify as it. It's worth 50K, so so I'm going to identify as this and make myself feel better. Maybe maybe that's just a, a blunt take on it, but I, I don't care what profile picture you're wearing. But as, as I say, like Swag Toshi, I know that's you as soon as I see the profile picture. Same with Joe, like you've rocked it since the start. Same with Donnie, obviously. If you, if you put some extra attributes on you, like a, I don't know, like a little pearl necklace or something, I'll bust that as my PFP as well. Like I don't mind. But um, <laughs> I guess that's just my kind of take on it. Uh, I'm fairly erratic in life. Like you said about um, you you wear different clothes for different occasions and stuff. I literally just wear the same clothes like 
back in the day when I was I was doing more gigs and stuff, I'd go to the gig and I'd be wearing the same clothes that I wear to work the day before or that I wear to to a family function or a barbecue, the woods, whatever. And uh, I guess that's just me as a person. I'm fairly fairly plain, a little bit erratic, I guess. Like I changed my PFP the other day. Before this, it was a uh, it was a Bitcoin Bandit with Snoop Dogg's face on it, and I, I kind of enjoyed rocking that for a bit. It was a bit of a meme. Yeah, you're all over fun. the place with but, your PFP. Uh, then I, I love like, it. <laughs> Yet somehow we still yeah, know I, I, I just you don't know? mind, mate. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's the chaotic. Like, uh... <laughs> I think, dude, I wear but like the a, same thing. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I wear pants that look this. I have like six pairs of the same jeans. I'm like Doug Funny. If anybody's ever seen that cartoon, he opens his closet and there's like ten of the same sweater vest, ten of the same shorts, and that's it. That's how I dress. But nonetheless, when we go to weddings or uh, funerals, let's say like the more mandatory jet dress changes things, we do still have identities that we pop into other than just, you know, the usual Doug yeah. funny that I am. Yeah, I guess so. Like my, my missus, obviously, we got we got married in October uh, and I never wear fucking suits, but obviously I had to wear a suit for this. She was like, yeah, you need to. I'm going shopping for you. So, so we went shopping and got a nice suit and that. And like all the family were like, oh my God, you scrub up so well. And I'm like, what the fuck are you trying to say <laughs> that I don't normally scrub up well? But yeah, I mean, I, I looked at myself in the mirror and yeah, I, I guess I kind of look swag. And I actually thought, oh, maybe I'll start wearing a suit more often. And then like I started going into my head like, oh, people will actually perceive me differently. Like that's what I find pretty crazy. Like I, I do it as well. I mean, you see someone in the street and they're busting a certain type of clothing, you perceive them a certain way. If they're wearing something else, you perceive them a different way. But if you just sit down and talk to them, then your perception completely changes. It's quite fun to to kind of delve into. And I guess the same with the with the PFPs. Like, I mean, when Cook was out fudding fucking everything, like people, there was probably a vast array of people that just hated OMBs for a bit. And they're like, oh, fuck this fucking... I don't know, this person because they got an yeah, OMB PFP. And it's him. like, oh, I'll change it. Everybody tomorrow. blocked him. So now, so now nobody has a negative perception of OMB. It's funny how we can select <laughs> yeah, so that we hear and it can change our thoughts about something, even though mm. none of those inputs have changed. We've stopped, we've stopped accepting them as inputs. It's a really interesting way that we. Um, well, Elon, I think, is planning to take away the block button. I don't know if that was a troll or not. Uh, but I'm kind of in favor of that because if we're really all about a lack of censorship, then, you know, the kooks of the world deserve to be heard, you know, <laughs> and yeah. if he's funded. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, go ahead. Sorry. there's a there's a mute button. If you like, you definitely like every so often, I don't know, maybe a month or something, I'll go through my feed and I'm like, is this person providing me any value or are they causing me a bit of stress? And if they're causing me stress, I'll just press mute. It's fine. <laughs> and, then, and then you just progress with your life. But yeah, if, if something's not giving you value or adding value, regardless of the PFP, I don't see much point in, in giving it your attention and, and like energy, because obviously there's, I guess there's energy, energy vampires in web three as, as well as web two. Um, but just have fun, just enjoy the vibe. If something's not digging too right, then just remove it from your eyesight and, and you're sweet. That is, and there's something to be said. Again, like it's nice to be able to turn off the things we don't like, but are we really becoming better people by not hearing it? I don't know, honestly, because mm. I know a lot of this stuff is said sure. just for the sake of engagement. But if it's said for the sake of engagement and that works, there's a larger exploit at play. There's something wrong with the way that we give our attention if we're more inclined to fight with someone than have a productive conversation. So anyway, uh, move to mm. Barbara, if that's okay. Interesting. Yo, uh, yes, my hand was beginning to hurt for a bit. Thank you so much, Donnie, for bringing me up. Um, I love <laughs> the conversation. It's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, really strong. 
I remember speaking on one of these spaces sometime. I'm a nephew walking. Uh, he's about three years old. And then he says, oh, cartoons. <laughs> and then I thought, I thought, wait, what? And he said, you're talking to cartoon people. And I said, oh, my goodness, we are definitely cartoon people over here. But that sort of reminds me that at the point when I came into the space, I realized that, okay, so everyone here had an identity. And I realized that each person's identity uh, is attached to a certain community. And it made me want to be a part of a community, to identify with them, you know, to belong to that community, to be respected, to be seen, to be valued by not just the members of that community, but also outsiders who are going to look at the PFP and say, yo, I recognize this community. So when I took up my first PFP, which was like a bubble goose PFP, it was it was really good because the community was quite powerful at that point. When people looked at you, they could identify me immediately. Even if they didn't know my name at first, they look at my PFP and they're able to identify me. But one thing which Donnie had mentioned when he was speaking, that he got into a space and the first thing people said, yo, like, look at that D-God, you know, like, they just started to attach the community identity to your identity. And that's exactly what happens whenever we decide to pick up a PFP. Our identity no longer just belongs to us. We're also taking up the identity of the community. Uh, um, in real life, when someone works for a company and they have the ID card of the company, when something happens, people usually associate everyone. They put everyone together and say, oh, these people. And I think that that's similar with the the digital identities that we take on here. Uh, when I see an Azuki PFP, I not, I don't necessarily know the individual behind the PFP at first, but I'm able to identify the PFP because it has become like um, a popular brand, right? So I'm able to identify and say, okay, so this is where this person belongs. And when I start to have a conversation with this person, I then start to identify this person as an individual who rocks this particular a profile picture from this community, right? So it sort of also makes me wonder how exactly we uh, handle identity crisis. So what happens when I want to change my, I eventually changed my PFP to this PFP because I looked, I was looking for something that I would feel more comfortable with, something that, that there, there are, I think that if you check, you might not find like a lot of people rocking this um, PFP that I have because I bought it for two dollars. It's a polygon. <laughs> it's a polygon NFC by 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 a one on one artist. I found it and it resonated with me. And I think that when we are choosing our digital identities, somehow we have to go with something that we are quite comfortable with, because we are going to get attached to these identities. When you get attached to the identity, if it's an asset that you think that you're going to sell, it becomes like slightly difficult to sell it. And when you eventually sell it, you feel some sort of detachment. So when you see someone else rocking it, you say, oh, oh, that, that looks like me, but it's no longer me. So you start to have like a, a an identity crisis. How do I start to behave now that I have moved from rocking an OMB to probably rocking um, a Fomoji or like rocking um, any a Taproot Wizard PFP? So do, do I have to change? Like, do I have to act differently as an individual? Maybe not change, but do I have to start acting differently as an individual when I rock 
an Azuki PFP or I rock an OMB PFP or a DGOTS PFP. So those are some of the things that start to pop up in my head when we talk about like switching between various um, PFPs and digital identities in the Web3 space. We're definitely going to get to the point where we're able to explore our different uh, identities, like our dif the different PFPs that we own in our wallets. We're not there yet, but we'll get to that point when it's going to be really easy to just like switch through these identities like we've seen the DGOS do with the season three, where we have anyone can just decide to rock like another version of their uh, of their NFT. I know I'm not supposed to say that. Oh shit, I said it. I'm not supposed to you're say the, that. You're I the did. third person I'm to sorry, do it. I think I was the first. <laughs> okay. I want to respond and say that in a 10 collection, I've gotten to know people who had a PFP that was a specific piece of that collection, and then they've changed it. And whoever bought it the next time just threw it in a wallet and didn't ever wear it again. So it's almost like when someone buys a PFP off of someone else, they usually don't buy it because they want to wear it. They're buying it because they want to collect it or just have it around. So I've rarely come across a PFP that I've had to reassociate to a new person. Because that's something that would never happen in real life. No one would ever look like my friend who wasn't actually my friend. This is not face-off where, what was it, Nicolas Cage acting like John Travolta, acting like Nicolas Cage. We never have to go through those layers of things. And I, I don't think I've come across yet the moment where I had to like associate one person's old PFP with a new persona entirely. Also, you mentioned that when you wear something, you're subject to the identity of that thing. I agree, and I was thinking a lot about this yesterday, and I just now had the thought that you're not just subject to the identity of that group or that PFP, you're subject to how other people perceive it, which really has nothing to do with the way that that thing is, because people form all kinds of uninformed decisions and fill in the blanks. I read a book over the course of quarantine because I really wanted to understand what conspiracy theory was and why everyone was like, 5G towers are giving you government mind control, like all this crazy shit people were saying. There's a book called Suspicious Minds, and there's a whole bunch of articles, not articles, and it references to um, peer-reviewed studies that, I guess, I don't know how to say this shortly. Anyway, if you put people at a cluttered desk with a lot of vague information, they will start to fill in, like the back of our brains, the, the pieces that will never change evolutionarily, the back of our brains just fill in the gaps. We'll just make shit up if we don't have the proper information. I think people do that a lot with, um, I don't know, let's say D-Gods, for example. They just assume the kind of person Frank is. When they don't see Frank for six months, they're making up a new version of him in their head. And then they come out swinging about what a jerk that guy is. When in reality, they just were never really given the information to begin with, which is why I think he's back on spaces a lot. He's talking to the community. And this isn't about D-Gods or any particular project. I'm just trying to say that I think people form a lot of very misinformed or uninformed opinions and fabricated versions of people and groups that don't really exist in real life. And this is no exception to that. That's why I get it, man. Yeah. So I, you said something earlier. We were talking about, uh, I think it was about your tattoos. You, you made a comment like you don't have any face tattoos. You know, ultimately, if you did. You know, that would be the first thing people see. It, it, it brought me back to the first time I met you and just something about myself and my identity that I don't really think about often just because it happened so long ago, uh, but was curious about your perception. So I have uh, I have a like a seven inch scar on my face that uh, ultimately people are like kind of scared to ask me what happened. 
I don't really care unless it's like the person behind the counter at Subway that while I'm checking out, they're like, what happened to your face? Um, what happened to your face? <laughs> so when I was 18 years old, I got, I was breaking up a fight and I got a bottle broken over my head um, and smashed the bottle and it, the broken bottle dragged on my face and pretty much split my, my eyebrow down to like Whoa. my um, lower part of my cheek. Um, Holy moly. Did, and I was curious because, like, I don't ever think about it. When I meet somebody for the first time, it never goes through my head, like, that's what the person is seeing or thinking about. I was just curious, Is did did you notice it? Because I never really had the chance to ask somebody that was, like, you know, the first time meeting me, what, what did you think right. of the scar? But under the context of this conversation, I'm just curious if that was something that you noticed and were curious about, or was it just you didn't even see it? You know, usually this is the kind of thing I would notice and then log in my head as a data point without really forming any judgments necessarily. I don't remember seeing a scar at all. I think we met sort of in the dark and in a crowded room. And uh, maybe I just, maybe we were never like in daylight enough that I had a chance to really analyze what was going on in your face. But I um, I also can't remember what people, I don't know what my mother looks like or my wife looks like until I look at them. I just have data points about it because of a brain injury back in 2000. So I don't really ever know what anything looks like until I'm looking at it. I just remember data points about it. Like I know that my car is black and that it's like a crossover kind of thing, but I couldn't draw it for you. I couldn't describe it really in anything other than data points. And I didn't stick out to me that you had a big face scar. And that's pretty tough though, dude. Yeah. I just survived it. I, I gave you guys the real story. I've made up my fair share of fake ones. Um, but if you ever see a dude at an NFT conference, that's either wearing this jacket or has a gigantic scar on his face. That's, that's me. Come say what's up. That's kind of cool though, that you have a permanent marker. Uh, no, that's already a word permanent marker. You have a permanent trait, I guess that you can't take off and that people will form thoughts about when they see you. Like if they meet you in a, in a, let's say at a wedding or something like that, and it's very bright and everyone's dressed well and no one else has a face scar, they may see that. And if no one says anything about it the entire time, they might start making up stories about it. And they might start thinking that maybe you're a, a reactive person or a person who's been to the slammer or so, you know, like just start fabricating all of these things, filling in gaps. People don't like to not have information. So we'll make it up whenever we don't have it. Um, I didn't have to do that with you. But also, if we were hanging out and I saw that scar, I would have just asked because that's a pretty pretty wild story, man. Love it. Yeah, I guess you probably weren't the best person to ask this. Uh, what were your thoughts? No, don't about? ask the guy with the damage. What he can, <laughs> I love you, Donnie. I remember anything if he remembers that thing. I love you too, man. I just wanted to say like two things. I, I will have, I think, a really nice example for you. Uh, but in terms of like uh, what you said, that we are filling up the gaps. So this is like the evolutionary mechanism, basically. Like we have to do this. It's like the survival trait, I would say. And this is like innate. And we just have to like train our minds in like, you know, to be mm, judgmental or maybe train the critical thinking, to be honest, which is really useful when you play shit coins and actually play anything in Web3. So... This is actually that what we are also training daily, I think, the majority of us. But <clears throat> uh, the example I wanted to share is that I want to bring some, let's say, VC funds or the old money funds to the ordinals, um, in like local ones, as I really like the space. And like, per, like we have actual use cases right now, and 
I received many projects as startups and so on. And we had this very long talk with uh, founders, partners that I want to be on the website as, as, as my PFP and as my tag there because uh, I don't want to dox. I feel very much attached both to the PFP and to the um, tag name on the Twitter. And uh, they, they couldn't like, it was really hard to comprehend this for them. Um, some of the people also come from the uh, low, uh, low environment. And in these terms, you want to, in this kind of environment, you want to dox themselves. You want to make their names, meet with the people, show the face and so on. And this time we have like the complete opposite example when I have to basically give uh, ideas why this will be a better solution and why this will be better from the for the vc itself so it was really funny encounter to be honest that's a really interesting point um that i hadn't considered before but i think i've had to respond to before uh using like like if i'd written an article or it was going to be on a panel on a twitter space and my my pfp was being used as marketing material I remember feeling weird about sending a cartoon PFP. It was like a 38-year-old guy. I felt weird about sending a cartoon PFP to like a marketing agency to fabricate that material. And I think that's one of the big reasons that made me move over to my face, especially since like I, you can find me on the internet really quickly. And I'm sure there's something I've posted at some point, even if I had a cartoon picture. Um, I have spoken at bar industry conferences for 10 years. There are so many pictures on the internet of me making cocktails and speaking to crowds of bartenders. It's like trying to find a way to hide it at this point just seems futile. So if if it's gonna be that way, then I may as well just own being who I am. And that's the decision I've made. And that's not the decision that ever, is best for everybody. It's just mine. And you brought up another really good point before we close it out. Um, critical thinking is not in grade school curriculum. It's just not. We're, schools are meant to to build factory workers, not people who solve problems and you know go against the grain necessarily. The way that I have come up with to fight against this and use to try to avoid filling in the gaps and becoming a conspiracy theorist myself, like <laughs> for years, I've just been like, there's no way we've landed on the moon. There's definitely 0% chance that we landed on the moon 60 years ago and then never went back and we could barely get an airplane off the ground until 1910. It's just not possible that we landed on the moon and figured out how to navigate in a vacuum. Like pushing against what? How does a jet work? You know, like my brain just goes, it's not possible. It's not possible, Tony. When in fact it probably is and I just don't know enough to justify why it would be possible, right? So how do we fight against this? And I'm gonna leave on this note because I think it's a really important one just for everybody. Impulse control is such a big deal. Stopping yourself in your tracks from doing what you're inclined to do because what you're inclined to do is often wrong. Wake up in the morning and eat cereal with the wrong hand. When you go to reach for your phone, reach for a glass of water. When you want to make coffee, make tea. Confuse yourself constantly to the point where everything you do has to be intentional rather than an impulse you follow. And eventually your whole life just becomes that thing. I quit smoking maybe six years ago, and I bet I could smoke a half a pack of cigarettes today and quit again tomorrow. Like foolproof. I can almost guarantee I can do it because I'm so uncomfortable all the time because I make myself do that. Um, I'm not a success story. I'm still a part of the process. I'm, I screw up all the time. But 
Um, just something that I don't think anybody I ever really – I don't hear people talking about that, and I think it's really valuable information. That being said, I wanted to take the moment to thank Crypto Sapiens for helping us host this thing, Bankless DAO for the support. This has been another episode of Don't Say NFT, the show where someone always says NFT first. Barbara said it last, and then, well, I guess I said it last. This has been episode three about identity. The next episode, episode four, will be about collectibles. And the following will be about reputation, which is sort of an extension of identity in the digital age. This has been another episode of Don't Say NFT, the show where we usually don't say NFT. Thanks again to Crypto Sapiens, Bankless Dow. Have a great day, everybody.